You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. All right, all right, all right, all right. So we are, uh, you know, we of course have that caveat uh, of do your own damn research, which is a little bit of play on uh, do your own research as me being the, the press the damn button guy. We had to add a little bit of, of flavor and pizzazz there for this episode, uh, or actually for all the episodes. And uh, it's always fun uh, to do these interviews on uh, Twitter spaces because I get to have so many of you amazing humans from our, our Discord and those that are supporting the podcast here in the live audience, you know, as well as the voice of the podcast. Uh, I see Kevin down there in the audience. Kevin is is not only the voice of the podcast, he's also the 3D uh, master behind our NFTs. So, um, you know, cheers to a fellow uh, multi-hyphenates. And I, I have a good one for you guys today on the podcast. You know, we... Last week, we did a, um, a tax uh, accounting one where we broke down kind of tax and accounting um, and how that kind of falls into uh, the NFT space. And I got a lot of great feedback, but a lot of people were like, wow, like this is, this is a lot. Like, you know, there's a lot of things going on and a lot of things that kind of are wrapped into one. And, you know, I think the, the thing that we, you know, for those of us that believe in this NFT community, the thing that we have to recognize is that it's up to us to protect ourselves, uh, not only, you know, from the scammers and those that are, you know, uh, violating security and, and those that are intentionally doing bad things, but also protecting ourselves in all other ways that are, are needed. And, you know, our guest uh, on the uh, podcast today is actually a longtime friend of mine, uh, one that uh, has been not only a friend, but someone I've leaned on over the years uh, for, you know, he's, he, he might be a lawyer and, you know, we, we will have to confirm that. Uh, I always like to think he is a, he's an early adult doctor wearing uh, lawyer clothing because he uh, was early onto all the live streaming platforms, uh, early into just about everything that you know I've ever been into. Uh, Mitch has been there, and it's been a lot of fun because you know it, it's nice to not only have someone um, in the space that can you know can talk a side of it that usually I cannot, and and almost always cannot. But also the the other part of it that has always been really you know reassuring, and, and I've told Mitch this before. You know when I was pitching brands on you know, the power of, of live streaming and why their executives should be involved in live video and why they should be active on social media. A lot of times I would get pushback and, or they would say, Oh, don't show me Gary Vaynerchuk. Like I don't need, you know, another entrepreneur like him as an example. And I actually used Mitch as that example in many uh, scenarios, as I would explain that, you know, Mitch is the, is a lawyer and one that's building his practice and uh, brand leveraging uh, all things social. And he's actually, now the author of uh, which I'll pin the the tweet up here in the Twitter Spaces and for those in the podcast, uh, I'll, I'll throw the uh, the handbook up there. But before we do that, uh, Mitch, thanks for jumping in on NFT three sixty five. I think you've been on all of my podcasts, so it, it is uh, to be expected for you to be back on this one. Uh, could you give yourself give a little bit about your background to our audience, and then we'll jump into some of the questions. It's good to be here, Brian, and uh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. We go back a long ways. And you know what's interesting, Brian, is all of the experiences uh, that we've shared over the years with live video, traditional video, the different social audio platforms. I think, you know, along with your listeners, we can bring all of these experiences into the foundational, you know, elements of what we're doing now on the blockchain, with NFTs, in the, in the metaverse, uh, you know, with VR and everything else in between. I think what we've experienced has allowed us, for example, you, to build this community that supports you, that's behind your NFT uh, podcast, your NFT 365 efforts. I, think, I almost feel like we've come full circle since when we first met to where we are today. And I think that's exciting. And for me, 35 years of practicing law, I am a litigation and trial lawyer here in Southern California, still enjoy trying cases, full-time trial lawyer. 
but I've always been kind of a technical geek. You know, first website back in 95 or 96, uh, early on social, live video, um, all the social audio platforms. I've used all of this technology in these communities and these ability to build relationships with some mutual friends right here, you know, in Twitter spaces tonight and on your podcast to build that brand, to go from local to global. And so there is a business side to everything I'm doing. But listen, Brian, if you've been doing anything as long as I've been doing as far as practicing law, if you don't mix up other things into your daily activities, you'll start going cross-eyed. You'll start drooling over your pleadings and your written discovery. That's just not a healthy way to live our lives, right? So what I'm excited about is you know, diving headfirst into this new digital space that I'll just refer to as, you know, blockchain, Web3, metaverse, NFTs. They're all somewhat combined and taking traditional offline legal concepts uh, when it comes to contracts, when it comes to intellectual property rights, when it comes to whether or not an NFT is a security or not, when it comes to sharing seven or eight steps that uh, people buying and selling and hosting and creating and investing in NFTs maybe need to look at to protect their rights, to do things the right way. Um, that's what's fun for me because what I've seen, Brian, are a lot of really amazing people venturing into everything that you're, you've already talked about who have the right mindset. They want to do social good. They want to add value to their communities. But, you know, they forget to cross a, a legal T or dot a legal I. And those kinds of mistakes can come back to bite you in the butt. So one of the things I like to bring to the table are, you know, three decades of offline traditional legal experience, bring it into the digital uh, platforms and hopefully keep everybody safe so they can get a good night's sleep at night. So it's good to be here. Well, Mitch, I'm excited to be uh, that you're here. And I was actually, you know, using Twitter search as we were like trying to like figure out like what was the first tweet that we ever had back and forth. And like I'm scrolling through and we're we're past uh, 2015 now. So uh, I think that that adds the little bit of uh, history for all those here um, in the space. You know, I, I will say you know before we get into kind of some of those steps that you mentioned, you know, Mitch, I think for so many you know in our audience, right, the idea of you know, Web3, Metaverse, um, not only is it intimidating, but it's, you know, it's such a mindset shift. And, I, and I've really focused on the podcast on, you know, helping us, you know, move away from really allowing the technology to overwhelm us and focus more on, you know, shifting our mindset when we're approaching this. But, you know, of all of the, you know, I'd say the four entry points into uh, Web3, we have cryptocurrency, we have creator coins, we have NFTs, and then we have the Metaverse, you know, the, the metaverse side, I think, has probably been the one that, you know, of, of the four that has kind of been identified in, in many cases or in many circles as maybe the one that is more, you know, it's the gamers, it's the kids, it's the more futuristic. But I will say, you know, Mitch, you were one of the first ones to send me a link of saying, hey, I'm having a meeting over here in the metaverse. Uh, check it out. And so I'm curious just from a, you know, as you're an early adopter and I, and I feel everyone, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're early, you're an early adopter, you're going to help us set the culture, but you also have to help us protect the culture. But I'm curious, Mitch, you know, what attracted you or what about the metaverse kind of opened your eyes to being like, okay, this is something not only would fit into, you know, our, our practice and my day of life, but it's also something transformational enough that I want to kind of lean into it. I'd love to just hear your take. It's a good question. So I think it's a combination, Brian, between uh, COVID, social distancing, working remotely over the last couple of years, getting burned out on Zoom like everybody else. It's not something that I think we need, enjoy doing anymore. It was exciting at one time, but it is something that we, we still need to be doing. Uh, but also rush hour traffic in, in Los Angeles during a rainstorm. Unless you've, unless you've ever lived out here and uh, you know, you're trying to go from, from L.A. to Orange County, which might be a 40-minute drive. When it rains, it turns into a three-hour experience. All of these things came together for the perfect storm, Brian. And uh, once Meta uh, you know, announced what they were doing and investing $10 billion a year last year in the Metaverse, along with all these other major players, I mean major players, diving in, spending a lot of money to build out the different metaverses. You know, it's not one metaverse like the Matrix. These are these are multiple, maybe just company-sized metaverses, something we're setting up a private conference room or a private presentation facility in virtual reality. Once all of these this perfect storm came together, I realized, you know, there's something to 
taking the experience of Zoom on 2D and putting on a headset and diving into a 3D environment. And what I noticed, Brian, is that once you do this, once you experience a private one-on-one meeting where you feel like you're sitting right across from me, but you didn't have to travel three hours in traffic or fly across the country to attend a deposition, it's a very intimate um, experience with the metaverse and with 3D technology. We can bring up items, we can rotate them, we can look at documents, we can do everything that we can normally do sitting at our desk in the metaverse. And it really opened my eyes to, number one, everything we talk about today, I think, falls back to a metaverse foundation. In other words, because of the reality of of having this virtual business environment that works very, very well. I mean, it's just amazing how, how real it is. Uh, and how easy it is to use. We use Spatial.io. We use EngageVR.io. Those are two of my favorite business platforms. They don't look like cartoons or Lego games. They're strictly beautiful conference rooms and conference facility centers. Uh, It's like me sending you a Zoom. You click on the Zoom, and whether you use your phone, your laptop, your desktop, or for a 10x better experience, throw on your Oculus Quest headset, we're in this beautiful conference room going over documents together. We're pulling up on our screens, our laptops, our phones in the virtual world. Anything that I can share in real life, I can push to the metaverse. And so it's a very easy to use interactive experience that also has this level of intimacy to it. And so once we started getting involved in all of this, Brian, what I realized is everything that we'll be talking about, everything you're doing with NFTs, everything we're talking about cryptocurrency, all of this comes back to doing business in the metaverse. You can't have commerce in the metaverse without cryptocurrency. Um, the metaverse will be tapping into the power of non-fungible tokens, not only as gateways into certain environments, but also to unlock digital data, digital opportunities for additional metaverse conferences. Because it's digital, anything else that's digital, that's secure, especially on the blockchain, I think plays nice over the next five to 10 years. Couple with that, Brian, and let me just wrap up. Couple with that, experts estimating that commerce uh, by 2425 in the metaverse is going to be anywhere from 400 to $900 billion. Anybody that's doing business, I mean, that tells me that that's the future of the digital platforms. And so that's why I jumped in early. I'm glad I did. It has opened up so many business doors, so many new client relationships around the world. And I got to tell you something, Brian, once somebody comes in and they meet for 30, 45 seconds of a one hour meeting, they'll just stop and they'll say, Mitch, this is amazing. You're my lawyer. What do we need to do next? So it's knocking the socks off of people that haven't played in the sandbox before. And I know I'm excited about moving forward. I think it really respects all of the social issues in today's world. And I think that it's only going to get bigger and better as we move forward in time. Oh, I love that. And I, and I love like kind of how you painted that picture, right? I think it, a lot of it is, you know, if you're willing to experience it, right, and come in with an open mind, um, you know, the possibilities really is where the, you know, it starts to not only allow us to reimagine some of the things that, you know, really have just been stuck in 2D because we haven't even ever imagined them anywhere else. You know, I was going to, you know, I was going to jump into like maybe my first question, but I'm going to flip it the other way. You know, Mitch, you, you are one that is probably one of the most accessible and engaged uh, humans that I know on social. Not, I won't even qualify it as a lawyer on social. You, you are massively uh, act, you know, active and you're always, you know, replying and engaging. You're on, uh, you know, different stages and, and really, you know, just someone that is fully accessible for so many of us in this space. I'm curious. So over this last, you know, however you can call it a year, what's been like the most popular question that you've been asked? And then if you could give us the answer to that, I think that was a kind of great, you know, kind of level head of where we can start. I think it comes down to, and if we're talking about, you know, the topic of this podcast, for example, it comes down to what do I, as a business owner, as a creator, as a CEO of company that wants to stay relevant, that wants to keep being progressive, what do I need to know about this whole blockchain thing I hear on the news each night? What do I need to know about these things called NFTs? What are they? How can they help me? How can I use them to help my customers, my clients, or the consumer? 
That seems to be the question that I'm getting quite often. I will tell you over the last month and a half since we started putting this book together on the metaverse, the metaverse handbook, which comes out the second week of February, just because I'm interested in this and I wanted to share what's working for us. And it's now turned out to be a pretty cool book. I'm excited about it. Um, Over the last month, I think the questions gravitated towards, you know, what is the metaverse? Why the metaverse? And why are you there? And we've kind of talked about that already. But I'd say NFTs and blockchain, Brian, people are trying to figure out what is this stuff? How can it help me help my clients doing business? And why do I need to know more you know, about these technologies. So that's, that's the, those are the two questions I'm getting. I love that. And, you know, and I, I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, of course I've been preaching a lot here on, on the podcast and, and, you know, it's kind of aligns to what you kind of started off the, the show on, you know, I think a lot of the things that we've been working on, this is kind of the intersection of so much of this idea of, you know, how do we shrink the distance between ourselves and those that we are connected with online, you know, how do we reimagine how we, you know, build community and have conversations. But, you know, on top of that has always been this game of trust, right? Like, you know, I, I firmly believe that every single person that's listening to this podcast, we are all in the same business. You know, we are all in the business of trust, right? How do we maintain that trust? How do we well, ultimately establish the trust? And then how do we scale the trust? But interestingly enough, you know, Mitch, in this, you know, in this Web3 world, it's also led to this idea of, you know, uh, being able to be anonymous or using a pseudonym or really, you know, in many cases from the outside in, you know, people would look at it and say this can be very wild, wild west enabling where you can almost make promises um, and not have to actually even deliver on them. We've seen rug pulls. We've seen a lot of those things. When it comes to like the legality of some of the things that are being promised or some of the things that are being set out there, like, you know, we, we almost all of us early adopters have almost resigned ourselves to realize, you know, we might get scammed out of an NFT or uh, we might click on a link where someone drains the ETH out of our wallet. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say that like, oh, okay, well, it happened now. Welcome to the space. Because to me, that just is like it almost like we give permission to it. But I'm curious, Mitch, what would, you know, what would you say when, when we're looking at this idea of, you know, we have the blockchain, it, there is the ability to be anonymous, but at the same time, the blockchain doesn't really lie. Everything is tracked and managed on the blockchain itself. How, do, how should we look at that from a legality perspective, even if it's just the narrative to others that don't believe, they might say things like, well, that's not regulated. There's no way to control things. Um, it's, it's too wild, wild west for me. How would you present that back to them, Mitch? It, you know, there, look, here's the thing. It's a two-edged sword because one of the advantages of blockchain and decentralized, you know, Web3 social digital platforms is just that. We're in this together as a global community. But like you said, if you have a digital fox in the digital hen house doing bad things, it can be a challenge from a legal perspective to track that person down or that company down on the other side of the world and hold, you know, him, her, they, or it responsible for your financial losses or for the defamatory comments or for the breach of contract. So it's a two-edged sword. I would suggest uh, the upside substantially outweighs the downside. I like the direction that things are going. I like the way people and communities are coming together, whether, you know, it's using a DAO, whether it's... um, putting yourself out there as an avatar, you know, uh, coupling that with NFT use to build businesses and provide products and services. I think the upside outweighs the downside, but it's critically important, Brian, that everybody do their due diligence, you know, before doing any of the above, especially before investing. And what I mean by that is spend some time doing some research on the person, on the company that's asking you to invest or that wants to become a partner with you or wants to be that platform that hosts your NFTs for the next year that you're working so hard to create. You know, how, how many of us really spend time doing the due diligence background check, just like you would in a traditional business environment? And it's even more important today on social and digital and uh, in Web3, because if somebody's got the gift of gab, if somebody's able to uh, persuasively set forth something in writing or in a video, a lot of consumers will just believe it and take it at face value. And those are also the people that call me when they lose a lot of money. So the first thing I would do is focus on doing your due diligence. And if you have access to a lawyer or if you want to run with these platforms yourself, check out LexisNexis, L-E-X-I-S, 
nexis.com or ch- check out uh, Thompson Rudders. It's legal.thompsonrudders.com. These are two databases that you can run the names of companies and individuals and, and really just check out whether or not they've got any criminal actions pending against them, whether or not there's any financial issues you need to be aware of. I mean, at a minimum, these are two databases that we use. They do cost money. Um, They're not inexpensive. Some free or inexpensive databases I would start with, Brian, if, if going the first route isn't an option for some of your listeners. I think if you go to, uh, it's called instantcheckmate.com. Another one is truthfinder.com. Another one is intellisus, I-N-T-E-L-I-U-S.com. You can plug in the names uh, and information of companies and people to see whether or not they've got a clean track record. What you'll find, and I think a lot of you will be surprised, is when you put company and people's names into these databases, you, you see just dozens and dozens of, of fraud lawsuits and criminal lawsuits and things like this. And, you know, if that's what comes up in the search, maybe that's an indication that that might not be the best business partner for you. So the first step is to do your due diligence and use these online services uh, to do background checks. We do this with all of our clients that come in and, you know, they want advice on, you know, we're looking over transactional paperwork. They want to invest with company A. We run company A through one or more of these databases where investigators do and uh, that way we can look our client in the eye and say, listen, they've got a clean slate. It looks like they're rolling up their sleeves and ready to change the world and they want you to be a part of it. Or, you know, this is the last person in the world you'd ever want to do business with. Unfortunately, what you and I are seeing, Brian, is with FOMO, with fear of missing out, we see a lot of people spending a lot of money because it's so easy to spend money from your meta wallet. Click, click your mouse, or your keyboard, or tap your phone a couple of times and that crypto is transferred sideways you know, to that NFT drop. And as you well know, a lot of people are buying NFTs that aren't the real NFTs. They're fraudulent accounts and the money's going sideways. We we get calls all the time from people that have lost money on NFT transfers just because in good faith, they didn't do their due diligence and they spent their money with the wrong people. So that would be my first uh my first answer is do your due diligence, and people that do that will be putting themselves above 90% of the other investors or players in the NFT field, I think, and you'll stay safe if, if you do your due diligence. No, I, I love that. And, you know, we're, we're buying an NFT every single day for a year, and so today is our, our 68th day in a row buying an NFT, and, and I put it out there that, you know, I'm spending right now between four to six hours uh, investigating these projects. And it was funny, someone in, uh, in our Discord, and I won't put him on blast, but uh, you know, he sent me a message and just said, hey, I'm just curious, like, are you spending four to six hours because you're just comparing you know, 30 projects? Or are you spending four to six hours comparing like one or two projects? And, and I told him it was more like one or two. And you know, I'm lucky I do have some paid tools um, from my influencer marketing side of the house that I'm able to, uh, you know, I use a tool called Rival IQ, which is a really great tool that allows me to, you know, plug in one social channel and it'll link to every other um, social channel that that person, that name, that email address, that phone number um, has ever been attached to, right? And I think that's a, a one for me, you know, in many cases, if someone is 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 not doxxed uh, as a founder of a project, I can, for the most part, at least um, understand their track record. Some are, some have you know anonymous accounts on all the channels, which I'm perfectly fine with. It's more of just I want to you know I want a little bit more history with that. And so I'm that's one of the questions I wanted to just kind of throw your way because there's been been some recent um, you know undoxing or I don't know if we call it dedoxing or undoxing. I'm not sure, I'm not sure which we call that uh, in this space right now of some people that you know were really you know. In, in, in many cases, we're doing things that are not okay, right? They were doing some, uh, you know, some behaviors in this space that because they were early adopters, because they kind of were friends with the right people, they were doing some, you know, actions that were hurting a lot of people and they ended up being exposed. And I'm curious just from a, from a legal side and how we can, we can think about that. You know, what is, you know, is there protection there as far as people that are exposing people's identity online if they don't want it to be? Um, or is, you know, what is the other flip side of that is, you know, if we're doing our research, like what is our, you know, I'd say like moral obligation to kind of identify some of these things a layer deep? I'm, I'm just curious because that seems to be a, a very trending topic, especially here on the Twitter spaces lately. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Brian, you and I go back to the old distracted driving days when people started using their phones for the very first time, live streaming, you know, while driving. And you saw that I was very vocal 
and I ruffled a lot of feathers with, with coming out and, and making a stance. And it was a, it was a red line. If you did that and you're in my community, I'm not following you anymore. I don't want anything to do with you. And the reason I was so adamant about that, Brian, is because I'm representing families on wrongful death cases where their kids, mom, dad, grandmother are killed by distracted drivers. So I see how it just turns lives upside down. What you just described, you know, it's the same thing. These people are, you know, stealing other people's money. They're carelessly investing other people's money. I don't know what their intent is, but, you know, when it's all said and done, it it potentially is just destroying someone's life. So I think each one of us has to ask ourselves, you know, do we have the facts? Is it, you know, do you feel a moral obligation to to share the name of that digital fox that continuously goes into one digital hen house after another? I mean, I think that's only a question that you can answer and each person listening can decide, do I want to take the time, spend the time, uh, you know, to do this? Because it does take time. It takes energy. It's stressful. You know, are you going to get slammed by their community that doesn't know any better? better? You know, are you going to get trolled when you call somebody out? I think it's an individual decision that we each need to make. I will tell you that as long as what you're saying is truthful and accurate, then you don't have to be worried about, you know, being sued for defamation or slander. So it's just one of these personal choices where I kind of pick and choose, you know, the battles I'm going to be fighting. But I, it, is an, it is an issue, and it's only going to get worse because of the number of zeros involved in, in everything that's happening. I think, you know, we can only be in control of so many things. And I think if we focus on what we're doing, as opposed to maybe the mistakes that other people are making, I think the chances of success are a lot greater. So instead of worrying about all these other people making mistakes or scamming people for other, you know, for money, yes, you can report them to the police, you can report them to the FBI, you can report them to the, to the platforms for terms of service violations. What I like spending my energy on, Brian, is what I'm doing and how I'm handling my affairs and the advice that I'm giving. And by doing that, you know, I'm in control of my future and my destiny. And then what you find, you start having other people gravitating towards you who respect where you're coming from. You're actually working together as a community. You know, I'm sharing some legal tips. You're sharing some some digital community building tips with me. And then we move forward as a community. We all make mistakes, right? Everybody stumbles in life. Nobody's perfect. The key is to, is to learn from that mistake. Don't make the same mistake twice and keep moving forward. I will tell you that the biggest challenge I see in what you're talking about right now is the issue as to whether or not an NFT transaction is going to be determined to be a securities transaction by the SEC. That, to me, is one of the biggest legal issues right now uh, that's an umbrella over everything that everybody's doing. I'm not sure it's really going to affect the smaller individual creators uh, you know, and, and people just minting an NFT a day or something like that. But I do think this is something that's going to blanket the NFT platform providers. I'm not going to mention any names because they're actually facilitating the buying and selling and investing in NFTs. And under the case SEC versus Howey, that's H-O-W-E-Y, there's a four-step process to determine whether you know, a, an asset, whether a transaction, whether a currency transaction or an NFT transaction uh, might be considered a security. So that, to me, is what people need to be looking at is Google SEC versus Howie and determine for yourself whether or not when you're involved in an NFT transaction, any of these four things, all of these four things, you know, take place. Number one, is there an investment in money? That's the first question. The second, and if there is, then you go to the next step. Uh, is the investment in money in a common enterprise? Are you all investing in the same thing? Number three, with expectations of profits. Number four, to be derived from the efforts of a promoter or third party. And so I think most of the NFT drops that we're seeing, you know, those four elements are there. And it's just one of these things where will the SEC eventually determine that NFTs fall within the the Security and Exchange Commission regulations? And if so, what has to happen is people participating in interactions that involve those four elements, you simply have to comply with the registration requirements of the SEC. So it's kind of complicated stuff, but I will tell you that what we're seeing and, and the people I'm talking to, and no legal advice is being given, 
but you know the individual creator, um, the occasional NFT investor, uh, you know, probably isn't going to fall under the Howey test. However, if you're a platform provider, if you're a big whale uh, in this space, and you and I, Brian, know a few of them, um, I think these four elements might actually pop up in 2022, and you're going to see some some news being made uh, probably towards the end of 2022, 2023 on people being held accountable for basically dealing in securities when, in fact, uh, they failed to register their NFTs or their platform as a security. So that's going to be a big issue coming down the pipe. So from a lawyer's perspective, that's kind of interesting to me. It's like, what, how, what can I counsel my clients to do today to avoid being at the receiving end of an SEC complaint a year from now? So to me, that's yeah. interesting. No, it's, I, mean, I think it's really interesting. And, you know, and I, I, do, I do enjoy when we have... Uh, you know, someone for a CPA on and we have a lawyer on because it's really, you know, a lot of people say that I, I, I have my own geek speak and it can be confusing and, and over each other's heads. And then I, I at least bring on some others that add some like complex uh, layers to what they do. And I will say, you know, Mitch, this is one, the, the next question I really wanted to lean in here on is, you know, I've been very blessed, you know, for seven years, actually, just as you know, we first met, you know, I've been employed, you know, as an influencer, you know, with six figures worth of income each year, um, based on working with brands as an influencer, mostly, you know, B2B tech brands, um, and different brands across the board. And I remember early discussions with you. And, you know, as we not only discussed, like some of the, the area, you know, this was before the word influencer was a word. And I remember, you know, I, I've always taken a very transparent approach to everything I do in life. And I, I remember kind of just that idea of like asking you for like, where's the gray area, Mitch? Like do if someone gives me something as, you know, I used to get like a hundred tripods a year that were sent to me because people just wanted me to hawk them on a uh, live stream. And, and I would say like, do I need to disclose that that was given to me for free? And, and I remember for the most part, you know, I started to, to recognize, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to overcalculate and every time that I believe that I possibly am getting something be, you know the, in in exchange for my influence I'm going to make it very clear I'm going to put it out there and 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 I will tell you know the audience before you answer the question what I ended up happening was I started getting my posts that would say hashtag ad or hashtag partner or, you know, uh, I was paid for this project. Um, I would actually have more engagement with mine than the ones that were people that were on the same project as me, most of them having more followers than I did. And they were kind of hiding their disclosure and people would come to me and ask, like, how does that happen? And I would say back, well, I know that my community recognizes that I, you know, am in this for, you know, business and I do have to make money and I give, you know, free resources and I, I dedicate so much time engaging that when someone saw that it was an ad or I was getting paid for, for a promotion, they would jump and engage on it because they knew that that would something that would help, you know, benefit me. And I'm very blessed to have a community that recognized that. But I will tell you, I've, probably of all of the things that I've been reaching out to people on here um, in the NFT space as of recently. And we had a guest on our podcast last week. Um, his name is Franklin. And, you know, the offers of people to promote prod, uh, projects is unlike anything I've ever seen before. I, you know, I, I mentioned this a couple of times, but, you know, I was offered 10 ETH for what would be about 10 tweets. Uh, one ETH a tweet is, is a little bit ridiculous in a scheme of, you know, that's what I was offered by a project to promote it. Um, ended up uh, not doing it. But with that in mind, like for those that are either new to recognizing that they have influence or just in the sense of like there is financial aspects here, right? A lot of times I was influencing people to maybe go subscribe to a, a show or to go download uh, a PDF. And if I, you know, if I influence them, they did it, maybe I wasted their time or another boring PDF. But in this case, you know, it is that, you know, Spider-Man, uh, you know, Uncle Ben, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. How would you, for those that are either new to having the influence or maybe want to kind of like identify, like how should they, we be disclosing these relationships or partnerships that we have with projects or with different, uh, you know, other you know, people that are in this space? I would either reach out to me for a couple of articles that I have from the, from the uh, FTC uh, on the requirements for full disclosure, you need to be clear and concise. The hashtags oftentimes not enough. And yes, I've seen that too, Brian, with respect to NFTs. The opportunities are greater and the ease of not fully disclosing that relationship um, 
you know, it's easier to kind of forget about doing that also, right? And that doesn't make it right. It just actually probably exposes you, not you, but exposes somebody to more liability. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're complying with all rules, regulations, and laws, not only in your state, but in the industry that you're that you're in. For example, as a lawyer, I have state bar rules and regulations in addition to state laws and federal laws. You also want to make sure that you're complying with 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 national laws and international laws because we're you know we're we're doing business globally now um it's hard to do brian there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that you need to to look at and so what i would suggest is if you're not experienced in in disclosing it's always better as you said to disclose more to be as transparent as possible I think people respect that and they won't hold that against you. In other words, you only will recommend something as, you know, I'm also a brand ambassador in the legal industries. I won't recommend a product or a service unless I believe in it and unless I use it or I've used it in the past. I mean, that's, that's, you know, and so people know that if I recommend something, I believe in it um, and it's a great product or service. You're doing the same thing. And I think that's step one is simply make sure there's full disclosure. But here's the other thing. You and I have talked about this. I really feel like, especially in the NFT space, because of all the zeros involved, there's a lot of money flowing around right now, a lot of excitement. I would love to see NFT creators, artists, um, you know, do business as some type of legal entity, whether it's a corporation, a limited liability company, um, or something in between. There's all types of hybrids. You got to check with your state laws what works best for you and your state, check with a professional. The reason I say that is you'll be able to develop additional tax benefits and write-offs and retirement plans and do all kinds of fun things that will reduce your, your, your taxable income and increase your net revenue at the end of the year. Also, by doing business in the NFT space as a business entity, you're putting a protective shield between your business activities and your personal life. So if something goes sideways in business, whether you're buying and selling an NFT, you're building out a metaverse department for somebody and it goes sideways, the platform shuts down and you're sued, whatever it might be, all of that stays on the left side of this brick wall. It's all business related. On the right side of that brick wall is your your house, your car, your your pet dog, and all of those things are going to be safe and sound independent and, you know, away from your business liabilities. So I think by being fully transparent, following the laws and doing business as a legal entity, I think that's key to really moving forward at this point, because frankly, uh, everyone's looking at this, what you're talking about and what you're doing through a business lens. In other words, at first people were wowed by what was going on and, oh, I didn't know that happened. No harm, no foul. What we're seeing in 2022 and, and, you know, a lot of high profile litigation matters, a lot of claims being presented, like you said, rug pulls and things happening, there's going to be legal consequences. So if somebody wrongfully brings an action against you, it's a frivolous lawsuit, or maybe it has merit to it, but they're just exaggerating the damages a little bit by being set up as a legal entity, a corporation or a limited liability company. You can you can protect your personal assets from your business liabilities. So that might be something your audience would, would want to take away from today's podcast. Uh, I mean that's I mean that's gold right there, Mitch. And you know I did find our, our photo, the first photo that we took together. I put it up here in the in the Twitter space. Uh, NASA. Where is that? So Where that, is that that's Periscope Summit 2015. Uh, so uh, you know New York City. Yeah, in New York City, uh, which. You know, for those that don't know, I, I I'm a very tough critic of myself as a uh, keynote speaker, uh, and only once in my you know probably 400 uh, keynotes, 500 keynotes I've given, have I ever graded myself a, a 10 out of 10, and it was that event uh, in New York City that is uh, funny enough where that photo it was taken, uh, which is kind of a, a cool little memory there, and you know, and I will say you know for those that are listening to the you know this podcast, I think the other part of this from a legality perspective is you know we are shifting as far as you know what this all means. And so I'm curious Mitch, you know there are a lot of people that are listening right now that let's let's take like the NFT crypto metaverse, you know out of it from a you know day-to-day, you know what they're working on. A lot of people are looking at this space and they're wondering like you know, how can they approach this 
and, and maybe get their boss to buy in on what, what this space means, or they can kind of talk to people about it in a way that kind of opens their mind. I, I would love to hear your thoughts, you know, as a trial lawyer, lawyer, as a professional, as someone that, you know, is advising and working with so many different, uh, you know, uh, people that are in many cases, we would almost assume that they are, are not paying attention to this arena. What would you say, like, uh, you know, is the way that is like kind of the best way you've seen it either positioned or uh, presented when it comes to, you know, Web3 and this, you know, entire blockchain scenario? Right. So when you say arena, that's what I was just going to ask you. So we're talking about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, probably the metaverse and everything in between. So what what I've what I've the way I've approached this, Brian, is I'll look at someone and they're looking at me like, you know, a deer staring at headlights like Mitch. I don't get it. What are you talking about? Why do I want to spend the time to bring my business, you know, into these technologies? And I'll go back to reminding them how the printing press changed everything when it came to communication, how electricity literally changed how we live our lives and do business, how the automobile came along and just completely changed how we got from point A to point B. Fast forward to the Internet, uh, to the web browser. For those of us that used to code in order to access the Internet when the web browsers came along, that gave everybody the ability to click and come into the Internet. Fast forward to social and digital. I think what we're seeing today with the technology that you just referenced being 100x everything I just mentioned. And what I mean by that is everything we're talking about is going to so substantially modify and change how we're living our lives, how we're doing business, how we're hiring professional services, how we're marketing our products and services, unlike anything that we've ever seen before. The caveat to that is it will continue to build out like you and I and and your audience already knows and we're experiencing this in real time. I've never been more excited about anything from a business perspective uh, in my life, Brian. And I was around, you know, when men first landed on the moon, the internet, the whole thing. This is is 100x all of that. Uh, I can comfortably say that with 100% certainty. But I will say that what needs to happen is the ease of use of NFTs, the ease of use of crypto wallets, uh, the ease of use of AI, artificial intelligence, Uh, being combined into everything that we're doing in order to protect and identify intellectual property rights. Once all of these things are working together and meta wallets are working such that an NFT in one platform is easily integrated into into another platform, probably through a digital wallet technology, once all of these things are as easy as flipping the light switch and watching the lights come on, we're going to see... uh, things change like we've never seen before. And I think for those of us that are in early right now, and this is early, who are in the trenches and and shoveling, you know, that shovel of dirt one at a time to kind of work our way down this blockchain and figure things out in three to four years when all of this is just simple and easy, we're going to be so far ahead of the game. That's what I experienced with social and digital back in the day. You and I in live streaming, we were on platforms that nobody's even heard of back in the day that aren't even around anymore. And it's, it's by putting in, you know, putting in the time and the effort back then that's allowed us to kind of lead by example in today's world. Well, fast forward to today, all of those technologies I mentioned from the printing press all the way up to web browsers uh, and the Internet, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is <laughs> this is definitely changing everything. And I can just tell you that just comfortably from the from the dollars and the money I see being put into this by large corporations. Now, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I mean, corporate yeah. involvement in all this stuff, that's another podcast for another time. But the reality is these large corporations wouldn't be putting money into this technology uh, if they didn't see it as being a complete game changer. And when you see the zeros that you and other people are frankly experiencing right now in the NFT space, and I mean profits and losses, uh, that tells me that there's a lot of enthusiasm, there's a lot of momentum, and people are starting to appreciate and understand how how the world is forever changing and uh, and is changing right before our eyes. And so, Brian, you know, that's what I tell people is you can get on this train and ride it down the tracks or you can jump out, you know, in front of the train and get run over. It's your decision, but it's the decision that's happening right now in real time. And I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I think it's such an you know exciting 
you know, time and, you know, rest in peace, Meerkat, rest in peace, Blab, uh, these platforms that we, we loved and uh, we embraced for, for many times, which is the ones that you were referring to that most people aren't aware of. Uh, you know, your, your website is streaming.lawyer. For those that are, I'll make sure all the links are in the uh, show notes. We did a great, really great question from our, our live audience that actually posted it in our back chat and our Discord that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loop into you real quick, uh, Mitch. But before I do that, you know, you do have a, a, the Metaverse Handbook and then it's, you know, how to create, market, and sell uh, in the virtual world. And, and uh, you know, just a list of the chapters and topics, you know, everything from, you know, IP rights and legal aspects of the Metaverse to NFTs in the Metaverse, blockchain to smart contracts, uh, DeFi. I just love, you know, kind of the, the where you're going with that uh, handbook. And we'll make sure to, you know, include links here um, in the in the podcast. You also have a text community um, that I love the way that you're kind of embracing a lot of these things as well. Uh, and, I, you know, I will say that you are a, a must follow on social. Uh, you know, Mitch did a, a promo for just this live podcast recording, right? He's uh, He was walking outside of his house, threw up the video camera uh, and, you know, for no better way to say it, press the damn button and uh, did a live little promo, and I appreciate that. And and I think that's Brian, like, that was a, that was a sandwich run. Oh, just sandwich so you know, run. Okay. I, yeah, the senior the senior partner. Everyone knows I practice with my wife Lisa. We met in law school. Lisa sent me out on a sandwich run. So on my way back, I wanted to give you a special shout out for today's show. And I wanted to. Uh, hopefully, he's still here. He may have bounced right out. We had Ira Rothkin in the audience, and Ira is the goat. Uh, when it comes to everything we're talking about. And Ira, if you're still here, I want you to know, um, you know you're my go-to when it comes to everything we're talking about. You guys follow is at Rothkin on Twitter. But Brian, I think I, I, think I introduced you to yeah. Ira. He basically, as a lawyer, represents all the big companies or he's affiliated one way or another as an investor with all the big companies that we read about and hear about and talk about each and every day. And so Ira, if you're still here, you know, major respect your way. Yeah. I'll make sure to include his, uh, his information here. And I, I, I have him on my list uh, of, of podcast guests. Uh, I was saying before the show, uh, you know, this podcast, we just recently made it to, you know, inside the top 40, we're currently ranked 32 on Apple podcasts. And uh, on this day alone, we had 27 requests come in uh, for those that want to be on the podcast. And, you know, little do they know, I already have kind of a hot shot uh, list of, of people I want to reach out to. And so uh, Ira is definitely on there. Uh, so I, I appreciate that mention. I'll include him here as well. You know, the question we got on the back chat, which I think is a really great one, right, was, you know, when we look at the, the projects, especially in the NFT space, right, in a weird flip of, 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 I guess, circumstances, you know, if a brand or a business or uh, really, you know, a company is involved with an NFT launch, it's, you know, in my book, it's almost a red flag immediately um, for whatever, you know, for that reason of, you know, a lot of the failed projects just from, you know, lack of understanding of the culture or just kind of dropping an NFT and then running away or really not understanding kind of the, the nuances that exist here. A lot of people have shied away from, you know, brands or businesses. And, you know, I've talked a lot about that here on the podcast because a lot of my business has been, uh, you know, working with B2B companies to embrace like, you know, early adoption. But because of that, a lot of people have kind of almost went to entrust themselves on people in some cases that are doxxed, some people that aren't doxxed as far as, you know, knowing their identity. But the question kind of came up on the idea of like, you know, are we going to see a trend where NFT projects are going to display their resources or share it, you know, what their LLC or what their, you know, business side behind? What are your thoughts on like, you know, that idea? Because I think there, you know, there's a couple founders that are listening to this right now in the audience. I see some amazing uh, projects, you know, Beatheads is in the house. My, my buddy, Tom, uh, shout out to Beatheads. You guys are going to hear about that project when it comes out. It's a great project with Aloe Black, who is a, a musician that I absolutely love as well. Uh, but I'm curious, just from that standpoint, do you see that as a trend the idea of almost disclosing some of the the business side just to to build up some of that trust and rapport um, as they kind of you know fight this battle of we're not a big business but we are treating you know this project like a business. What are your thoughts there? I say absolutely. I think that uh, as more and more people and business owners and corporations become better informed about what's going on right now. I do feel like uh, there'll be the requirement of some type of uh, transparency and full disclosure before major investments are taking place, just like anything else. Look, I don't know if that's good or bad, and you know, I, I know that's old school from my perspective, 
But the reality is, you know, the whole uh, U.S. Constitution, uh, Dow, uh, you know, auction wouldn't have happened without Sotheby's. Yep. You know, an established institution that was involved. You got Coke, Chipotle, Wendy's, Nike, um, you know, major players who are all involved in some really big deals right now, not only with, well, with NFTs, but also with NFTs as they might apply, Brian, to the sale of land, right? NFTs are actually, quote unquote, land in metaverse platforms. And so I think um, all of these large companies, you know, there are public disclosure statements. We know who the investors and the boards are. Um, And yeah, I see that as actually being the trend. I don't see uh, a lot of people throwing a lot of money uh, at a uh, decentralized blockchain investment where nobody knows who's behind it. Nobody knows what deals are being made behind, you know, closed doors uh, in in sub discords that uh, nobody's invited to. I, you know, I have a big issue with uh, with some of the uh, the DAO issue. You know, the way some DAOs are set up, and you know, ninety nine percent of the time, the better way to do business is in a more traditional corporate. Uh, or limited liability capacity because the courts have ruled on you know these businesses and what they can and can't do and what advantages they bring to the table. Right now, DAOs are an unknown uh, resource. You know, we're not really sure if they're going to hold up in court. We're not really sure how we can regulate them. We're not really sure how we can hold wrongdoers who might be part of the decision making process in a DAO because of the percentage of interest they have in an NFT or multiple NFTs. How we can hold them accountable. So. We're all growing through this together. But yes, I do see eventually some type of mandatory full disclosure being required before large NFT sales are going to be able to be offered to the general public uh, in anything along those lines. Once again, I don't know if that's good or bad, Brian, but that is what I see happening down the pipe. You know, I think that's also, you know, that that ties into the idea. We just have to remember, you know, every great you know, innovation, technology, shift um, in culture, you know, every invention since the beginning of time has had the capability to do, you know, be used for evil or bad or being misused by those that are in power. And, you know, I think part of this is understanding, like, you know, not only your risk versus your reward, but also, you know, like I, you know, I've said this on the podcast, like we have a, I have a trust matrix. And when I'm, you know, evaluating a project, I just go down the line. It, it had, it had nine uh, things in the trust matrix. We're now up to 13 things in the trust matrix. And, you know, if you are, if you're a project that, that doesn't have one of these things, you're just going to get, you're going to get, you know, knocked on that one of those things. And, you know, that might determine that, you know, you might still sell out. You might get the, you know, the flippers or those that are, that are in there. But, you know, for me, like I'm looking at long-term projects and projects that are here for a while and that are you know truly providing you know, a sense of community and utility and, and are are thinking even you know beyond the nft to the metaverse so i love that that you've kind of framed all of that you know i really appreciate you you know sharing time with us mitch i i will you know we will put your book out there i think you said your book comes out uh in february uh, i'd love to give you kind of like the, the last words on this one you know anything you want to leave us with or you know thoughts that we have and uh, you know, I tell you, we're doing this podcast every single day until November 22nd, uh, 2022. And that's when we're going to sell our, our mosaic of our NFTs. And, um, I, and I can almost guarantee we'll have Mitch on again at some point. Uh, you know, 365 episodes is a lot of episodes and there'll be a lot of change here in this, uh, this Web3 space. But uh, Mitch, yeah, anything you want to leave us with? Uh, the mic is yours. Sure. You know, I, I have to jump out in about two minutes, but but I would just like to say thanks. Thanks for doing what you're doing, Brian. Ira is back. Ira gave you a big shout out a few minutes ago. So, you know, major respect your way. He is the GOAT, everyone, when it comes to doing. He's the OG, okay, of, of what we're talking about. So follow Ira. Yeah, Brian, I think what's exciting right now is the opportunity. I like the enthusiasm in the business world. I like what this technology we've talked about, what it brings to creators and artists And I think for those of us that like to uh, do new and different things, you know, for example, Ira's creating companies and and building businesses in the metaverse and and with NFTs, I think it actually it's exciting to watch people embrace this new technology to create, you know, new opportunities to make the world a better place. And having, you know, said all that, the caveat is let's all double down on doing our due diligence. Let's all double down on looking out for each other and let's focus on building communities to support each other moving forward. And if we do all of these things, I think it's going to be a fun experience. And when we circle back 
uh, five years from now, Brian, and show whatever pictures we have, you know, maybe last summer or two summers ago down in San Diego, um, you know, we'll all be smiling, we'll all be happy, and we're all going to say, do you remember back in 2022 when we talked about A, B, and C, and those things actually happened? I mean, I'm excited about that. So enjoy the journey, everybody, and uh, make each, each day offline or online in the metaverse your masterpiece. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah, and I'll let you bounce out as we kind of wrap up this episode. And, and you know, I, and I will tell you, you know, for all those that are, you know, we talk a lot about you know NFTs opening up doors into communities and allowing us to connect with people that can really change you know our business and approach the things. You know, I'm very blessed. You know, Mitch lives in California. I'm uh, in Virginia here on the East Coast. And, you know, thanks to digital and social and, you know, the communities that the two of us were involved in in, in 2014, it opened the doors and I was able, you know, to be connected and we've been able to, you know, not only I got to meet his kids and we got to, uh, you know, work on projects together and speak at same events. And I will tell you, for everyone that's out here, you know, when you're thinking that everything is tied, you know, to ROI or what, how much can I flip this NFT for or what, you know, when we see these, these, these bloody days of red uh, across my Coinbase app, I think we have to take a step back and recognize that our opportunity to enter a community, a Discord, a Twitter spaces, a, a clubhouse room and all of a sudden connect with someone that, you know, seven years later, you can not only call them up and say, hey, I need your expertise on a podcast, but you you can bring together some of these, you know, amazing opportunities. And so, you know, for me, that's part of what the, the underlying lesson of, of this podcast is as well, is that, you know, Mitch is a, a, a great human that I've just been very blessed that has been, you know, in a, integral in my, you know, life and career and, you know, throughout the different journeys that have existed. And I think we have those opportunities in front of us if we're willing to, you know, put ourselves out there, commit to some of these communities, go deeper than just the how much is that NFT worth or what is the rarity level of these things and, and think about it from saying, you know, what are the doors that it's going to open? What are the opportunities that I'm going to have to have conversations around mental health, around, you know, stopping distracted driving, around, you know, you know, being, you know, parents in a, in a generation of, of a metaverse. So I hope everyone loved uh, this episode, please give Mitch a follow. I, I, I promise, you know, he, he brings that same fire to his social channels across the board uh, that he did here um, on the podcast. And, and uh, just a, a great follow on social, someone that is always um, extremely active. And like I said, we'll bring him back on the podcast. And, you know, I like to end, you know, each one of these episodes. Uh, and we're now into the 70s of the podcast now, as you guys are listening to this episode. Um, I like to, you know, think about, you know, different use cases, because I believe there's so many use cases for this space and, and what is possible. And the use case I, I would just kind of, you know, kind of throw out there that you kind of heard across the board here is we have an opportunity through this metaverse, through NFTs, through crypto to actually set and help establish the culture at which we are being governed by which we're being regulated. It's very easy for us to say we want the wild, wild west or we love that this is decentralized and there's there's no, you know, you know, big brother looking over our shoulder. But then when we get ourselves hacked and we're like, who do we call to help get our password back? And we have no one to call or blame but ourselves. It can feel lonely and it can feel as though, you know, hey, can I get back to that centralized world? And what I would just ask us to think about is it doesn't have to be one way or the other. I think we can really help each other. You know, my mantra of we are greater than me. And so when we think about our opportunity to spread, you know, legal advice, we have our ability to help people see the power of things that are going on. I always recommend that, you know, we do focus on the good things, right? It's so easy to spread FUD and, and you know, break people down and, and people on the outside are just looking for that because it's a lot easier to break down what you don't understand than it is to learn and embrace and, and change what we've kind of lived with for so, for so long. But I, I've said it before, you know, I, I, I was in online poker and I played online poker and was sponsored for a while. And I will tell you the online poker place, the, the atmosphere did it wrong. They did it wrong on this idea of they didn't want to play nice on any side. They wanted to hide things on offshore accounts. And, you know, I had money that was that was stored offshore that um, was held up in legal for many, many years, five, six years and, and lost, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in that uh, scenario. And I think it was because of this idea that we looked at it as like us versus them or we don't want to fall in line or we can't let these things happen or we're going to lose you know, the power of our, you know, independence and freedom that these platforms are getting. 
But I do believe it's kind of like that happy medium that we have to look at it and understand that, you know, a, you know, the wild, wild west, right? They, they learned quickly that, you know, that towns needed sheriffs or the, you know, and a rule of law, because if not, uh, you know, true chaos would exist. And I think we have those opportunities now. So for everyone that's here in this space, you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're embracing and looking into the, this beautiful world of Web3. Let's all do our own part to kind of spread, you know, what, we, what we're seeing, the, things, the good things that are happening, and really help set up those regulations, help set up those laws and the way that we are governed so that we can protect the good people doing good things and ultimately, you know, stop the, the noise and the outside, uh, you know, pressure that we have from the bad people doing bad things. And so, as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of NFT 365. Make it a great day, my friends. Cheers. This show is not for 